When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will want one for you. Do you understand your rights? This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today... I want to tell a Halloween story, y'all. Well, it ties to Halloween a lot, uh, mainly. And it's old cop story, but this, uh, I think you'll find it fascinating. But then I'm going to tell you the truth about it, okay? And uh, once again, I'm recording from Wisconsin. I've been up here hunting with the um, Alopa family, who unfortunately has a a hero son uh, who was killed, I think three days after I may, may have that wrong, but three days after he got his driver's license and he looked at his mom and when he's getting his driver's license and said, Hey, I want to become an organ donor. And so he signed up and then three days later, 
he was killed in um, his organs. Lopa helped him out. Uh, uh, and one of his organs went to another young man who's up here in Wisconsin also, uh, hung with us. And he actually got the kidney from the deceased hero. So it's pretty, really pretty special, y'all, to have the mom and the brother of the hero who died and his organs went to whomever, but that one of the organs went to the other young man who is here hunting with his mom. So that they're all together. Um, and one of the deals on them coming up was I, I promised I'd come up and help guide them on the hunt and cook for them and stuff like that. But all these years I've been talking about Lopa and the victims that I've seen and the families that Lopa's worked with, et cetera. And the reason I got involved is because they save lives every day to, to be with these people in the same room and sit in a deer stand with them, et cetera. Really, really, really touching. Uh, um, and I just tell you this, uh, three hunts I made w with the young man who received the kidney. And I think he's like 22 or 23 now. And he got it six years ago. He wouldn't be able to hunt with me, y'all. But uh, um, so, so I guess I'll start this one off with Lopa instead of ending with Lopa. It, it just, it means a lot. And, you know, you don't have to be a lifer from uh, Louisiana. You could be from... Missouri and, and just go to lopa.org um, and sign up to be an organ donor. It takes a couple minutes and the chances that you ever get, you know, you'll be a hero in my eyes anyway. And, and, and the chance for them to ever do what they do uh, with you uh, after you're basically deceased are very slim. But it helps and, and I'm an organ donor and I keep spreading the word because of, of moments like this. And it's pretty touching. Uh, uh, and I haven't shared a lot about it on social media and stuff because it's kind of a private thing with these families that are together and we're doing the th these things together. So it's, it, it, they truly save lives, people. So well, enough, enough of that. Let's get to the story. All right. I'm going to take you back to... Ooh, man, I was first first in um, uniform patrol with the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, and I worked the east side of the parish because I've told y'all many times Livingston Parish was divided in half geographically for law enforcement reasons. You had the east side and the west side, and the west side of the parish was more uh, populated, still is today. That's what the the biggest cities, Walker and Denham Springs and all that are. And then the east side is more rural with the small towns, which most of them aren't so small anymore now. But I guess, I guess it's been 30 years or however long it's been. But the um, And I, I started out on the east side in uniform patrol. And, you know, I didn't know uh, really the towns and the roads, and we didn't have GPSs and uh, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers in our cars and cameras in the cars. I'm talking about our, our units. Um, I had a map book. The, the dispatch would call and say 259-361. We have a 103B in Springfield at, you know, such and such on McCarroll Road. So I had to get out this orange map book 
and look up where McCarroll Road was. And I had to look it up in the index, you know, in the front. I don't think anybody reads books anymore, but I had to look it up in the index and then turn to the page where it was. And it would give me one page of where McCarroll Road was. And then you had to follow it out and reference pages of how to get to McCarroll Road and all that. It's freaking crazy how far technology has come and been advanced. But, uh, but the small towns, the small towns, look, when you work the east side, you're supposed to have three per shift back then. And now they probably have 30 or more. Um, but back then, you're on a good nights, you're supposed to have three. And the west side being more populated, they had more calls. And if you had three, chances were one of you were getting pulled to go catch calls on the west side. Now when one calls, you know, they all got to be answered. Uh, or maybe a manhunt, whatever. They, so most of the time, it was just two of it. And, and I told you about John T. Wilkerson, my old ride or die uh, partner, that he and I went to the LSU Academy together. And then he actually was assistant chief for the town of Springfield before he transferred to the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. Now, we were friends by this time. We'd been to the academy together and everything else. And I was working at Southeastern uh, University Police Department, and I transferred over, and they put John T. and I together on the same shift, which was, you know, really cool. But we were on the east side of the parish. But uh, back to the small towns, that that was your backup. You know, nine times out of ten, you I mean, that that's a huge geographical area to cover for two people. And, you know, sugar turn to shit, and, and you got it on, in a foot pursuit or, you know, shoot out, whatever it may be, or you just need a backup on a call, the town guys were meaning the police officers for the Livingston Police Department or the Albany Police Department, like my, my dear friend, Leon Winstead, who's now deceased, uh, um, uh, died, he died right after COVID. But the, and I give the eulogy at his, uh, uh, not only did I give the eulogy at his funeral, but I was also the best man in, in his wedding with Miss Flo, who's a real sweetheart. But the, that, that was your backup. The Killian Police Department might have had one person on one. Springfield would have one on one. Albany would have one on one. Most of them were part timers. Like Leon, he didn't have to do it. He did, just did it because he loved the job. Um, and who else? The French settlement police department. That was it. You didn't have anybody else. And, and wherever you're at, they would send them. Most of the time those guys weren't busy. They were like writing tickets and stuff. And that they, they would come and roll and back you up. Well, sometimes it worked the other way. The, sometimes the town guys sugar turned to shit and they needed back up and we were able to back them up. Now, why am I telling you this story? Uh, we would also hang out with, with the town cops that, you know, when it was slow, uh, yeah, we didn't have anything to do. We'd pull like in the bank parking lot. What, I'm going to give an example, uh, in Springfield late at night and, and, you know, there was nothing going on then. There were no fast food restaurants or anything like that. And we'd pull up in the bank parking lot and we'd get out. And this, I probably shouldn't tell a story. I think I have that before. We would have quick draw contests. Uh, Terry Sanchez was one of them that worked there. Then he works for uh, Hammond PD now. I think he's a detective. But we 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 would line up in the parking lot and you know make our weapons safe, uh, meaning 
unload them and each we'd check each other's weapons, make sure they're unloaded. And then we would have quick draw contests. We'd stand there like wide herb and see who could draw their weapon the fastest, you know, pointing away. We'd be in a line and draw and see who could draw the weapon the fastest. But you just kill time together. And so you become very close. You work together all the time. And I keep going back to Springfield in this story for a reason. And this is a Halloween edition, y'all. Um, I, I don't remember exactly what happened the first time. I know we, we used to run between like the what they call the horseshoe in Springfield and another part of Springfield that, that there were two areas where narcotics were sold. Best people in the world live down there. Some of the shittiest people in the world down, live down there. But the you know, you catch people coming out of these neighborhoods late, especially late at night. And the, you know, it's, they would just bought dope and we'd go down there and harass the dope dealers and, and basically just hunt them in, harass the dope dealers, go down there and get into foot pursuits and vehicle pursuits. And this is when the call volume was down and we were kind of bored and we were just having our own fun. It, it, you know, it really was fun. I, so many times now, I wish I could go back all those years and put on a uniform again and climb in that old blue and white mark unit and just go 10-8. Just go on duty, in service, and have some fucking fun. Uh, but life happens, right? So but back to it. Springfield is... Um, on the far eastern side, Tangelo Parish. Actually, there uh, there's a bridge that you cross over right right outside the town of Springfield. There's a, there is a red light in Springfield. It's a three way, and if you go due east, you cross into Tangelo Parish. But the bank, and if you come in into Livingston Parish, the bank was right there on the right, uh, and then you would take a right on. It's 22. Oh, how I think it's how 42, 22 meets 42 there. And you take the right and then it's main street, um, uh, in, in Springfield, you have the bank and then it's main street and right across the street from the bank is the police department, Springfield PD. And if you, if you keep going West on, on 42, you, there's a Springfield cemetery on your right. And then, you're pretty much out, out out of the city limits after that. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. 
Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Sayonara. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro Pro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro Pro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. But we were down there. It was Halloween time. I'll never forget the, that because uh, we always had to like, you know, earlier in the evenings when you go 10 eight, you'd have to um, have your units with the lights on in neighborhoods for trick-or-treaters and shit like that. But I forget what night of the week it was. It was later on in the night and the I was close to Springfield. And I, thought, I believe it was Terry Sanchez that was 10 eight. And, and I heard him say, Two five nine or SP three two five nine meaning Springfield three that was his unit number two five nine being dispatch. He said I'm gonna be out at the Springfield Cemetery, and I was close. I was coming. I was actually coming into Springfield. And I saw him turn into the cemetery. Well, there were some cars parked there. Now Springfield is an old old ass town, old 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 small community. I, I forget. I think mid 1800s was definitely before the I think it was before the Civil War they, they call it the I think the village of Springfield but the anyway I'm coming in I see him pull up behind some vehicles um, at the, the cemetery and this is an old cemetery it's a beautiful spot you know, they they have a, a, a I think a, a brass cannon like a Civil War cannon or something in it and they had just some old, old, old graves all the way up to the modern graves. 
big oak trees. It's kind of a hills on both sides, both sides and, and all that. I mean, and I passed a thousand times on duty, but I'd never been in there. And so I, Terry pulls in, I pulled in and, and get out. So what you got? And he said, I got these people in the cemetery. And I said, what's up with that? And I mean, what, you know, what the hell are they doing in the cemetery on Halloween night? He said, bro, just come on with me. He said, and he said, I promise you they're going to be 966, which means uh, holding narcotics. I'm like, okay, whatever. So we walk in and uh, no lights on. We, we walk in on foot and uh, up on the hill on the right, you see lights around a grave, right? And we get up there and there's literally like 15 people around this grave they got candles lit and, and they're chanting and shit. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? You know, there's, there's some Halloween shit here, right? They holding the seance or some shit. We walk up on them and, and, and T Terry told me, he said, don't turn on your flashlight till we get up on them. And we walk up on them and I mean, they're in a circle and they're chanting and, and, um, uh, Terry turned on his light and turned my light. And he said, he said, Springfield Police Department. I said, Sheriff's Office. Look, immediately, jackrabbits. <laughs> These motherfuckers scatter like cockroaches uh, when the lights come on, right? And I'm like, fuck, fuck, pursuit. And I tackled some guy. He didn't get far. And, and, and Terry grabbed another one. Well, shit, we had their cars blocked in. It wasn't like they could leave. It, it, they had pulled in. And it, uh, it's like a one pull-in driveway, and we had them blocked in. So we had put a couple of them in cuffs and a couple of them had stayed by this grave where the candles were. And Terry's, we brought them up the hill and he said, what are y'all doing here? And they said, well, we're here because of the grave of Michael Brown. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. Y'all wasn't from Mr. Paris. And he said, this is, this is, uh, the cemetery's closed. There's signs and, you know, you're trespassing and look, he starts, uh, with, uh, made everybody stand still. And we, we went around, we're Pat frisking people. And w one dude, I get up on him behind, from behind and he's the one, one of the ones who had run. And the, I said, look, do you have anything on you? I need to Pat first you for officer safety. And this is before the interrogation began. And after we told him it was trespassing and he said, no, and I'm patting him down, and, and I say, you don't mind if I pat you down. You don't have any tanks or uh, rocket launchers or knives or anything that's going to stick me. The reason why, y'all, you're in the cemetery in the middle of the night, around midnight, and you don't know who you're dealing with. Before you talk to a large group of people, you want to make sure you're safe. No one has any firearms, et cetera. Well, shut up. when I'm patting him down, I feel what I know, and this is exactly how I wrote it in my report, I feel what I believe to be a plastic bag containing narcotics in this dude's blue jeans pants pocket. And, and I said, what's this? And he says, nothing. And I said, well, then you don't mind if I take it out. And, and of course that was, he did mind. And, but what if, if he said no, and you know, I would arrest him or whatever for trespassing and got to search him incidental to arrest. And I took it out and it was a bag of weed. No big deal, right? In the grand scheme of things, even thirty years ago, however long ago it was, the um, the maybe twenty five years ago, I don't remember. But the, I took out a bag of weeds, so I placed them in cuffs, and and uh, 
I wasn't, well, I, he said, well, this is mine just for my use. And, and I said, I get that, whatever. So we'll go around and I think, I think a couple of them had, uh, weed and some shit like that. And we just wrote him tickets or Terry wrote him tickets because I didn't write tickets. And he sees the, the weed and I gave it to him as his jurisdiction. And it, the candles and what after everything had settled down, we processed them all. I'm talking about at the, at the gravesite. And, t- and Terry was like, uh, wrote his tickets and all that. And so I'm talking to him like, what's the deal? Why are y'all here? And they said, you don't know the story of Michael Brown. You know, and this is Halloween. And this is one of the most haunted places in Louisiana. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And, and Terry was busy, but the, he didn't end up telling me everything later on. Uh, uh, and this, this girl says, she says, this is, this is sacred ground. This is, this boy got murdered. And after he was murdered, they buried him and it was a who done it. Uh, and nobody knew who did it. And then within one night, this drawing came up on the back of his tombstone and the drawing shows him, uh, doing what he was doing. He was hunting. He was a big hunter, y'all. Michael Brown was. And, uh, he was a teenager. He was 15 years old when he got killed. And she said the, they buried him. And like two days later, uh, at, after the, the, the tombstone, was put up, you know, cause it takes some, a moment to order those, right? That it's not like you get buried and you have your tombstone immediately. But she said after the tombstone was put up, uh, two nights later, it, it, the drawing that Michael Brown did himself magically appeared on this tombstone. I said, what the fuck? She said, yeah. And it, it shows that he was hunting and he got killed. Oh, let me tell you how he got killed. He was, I think, I think he was 15 years old, if I remember correctly. And he was from Holden, Louisiana, which is another small town on the, on the, that east side of the parish. Um, and in between Springfield or uh, in between Albany and, and Livingston, the town of, it said he, um, he got run over and it was a whodunit and they buried him and they put up his tombstone and then, magically this drawing appears of him hunting. Um, is it like a childlike drawing y'all and I'll post it. It was really kind of freaky that, that said it shows him hunting and, and doing all this stuff. It looks like a kid's drawing, like, you know, a kid drew this. I mean, not, I mean a younger kid than a 15 year old. It's, it's just like stick people and shit. It said, and it, it told who it shows how he died. And it told who it was that hit him, who ran over him. And it was unsolved until this showed up. And then the cops used this information. Once they found out people were coming out here and what was on the tombstone, they used the information to go uh, uh, question the guy who ran over him. And the guy confessed. I was like, what the fuck? And, and, I, and I look at Terry and he's, he's like shaking his head. And I said, so why didn't y'all come out here? Why? She said, cause it's haunted. His spirit came from the dead and, and, uh, he, he solved his own crime. And, and let me see if I can find an article on it while we're talking, but type it in on the phone. 
is that, you know, he, he did. I'm like, fuck, that's kind of freaky, right? And I was thinking to myself, and, and it's Halloween night, and we're in the middle of the cemetery, and it's dark as fuck, and, and, and the people are, they're adamant about this. And there's candles burning and all this stuff. And I shine my light on the back of the tombstone. Look, I saw the drawings. I mean, and I'll post them for you. They're there, and there's no doubt about that. Uh, the, um, but then, you know, Terry ends up writing all his tickets, and uh, you know, we basically let everybody go. And he told him, don't ever come back, blah, 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 blah. So we leave, and Terry said, man, this is all bullshit. And, and he said, but this is what the story is. And he said the same thing the uh, lady had said. He said, brah, ever since I've been with Springfield, every Halloween, every time around Halloween, the people show up at this boy's grave because of the story. And they do, you know, he said, we got witches that show up. We got just ghost hunters that show up and, and all shit. He said, it's just an ongoing thing. Well, I, I, we got called off on something else that, that time. And, um, but the, anyway, every time I'd pass by the cemetery at, at nighttime, I would look to see if there were any cars parked there. And over the years there were now John T remember my, my road buddy, I told you about, he used to be assistant chief for Springfield and he, and one day I asked him about it. And he said, yeah, that's some freaky shit, man. And he said, but the family says it's not true. But he said, there's no denying what's on that boy's grave. Now, right, look, look y'all found, uh, I found an article. Hold on. I'm going to, let me read you this article or at least part of it. And I'll tell you what I know about it as I go along. It says, this is from September 14, 2003. I would have been, in detectives by that time. So this is, uh, this is after all my interactions and look, I had a shit ton. Fuck one time we pulled up, there was a tour bus, a fucking rented tour bus full of people that were there after hours, like a ghost tour thing. I'll never forget that when, and, and we wrote all kinds of, or they wrote all kinds of tickets. I didn't write tickets, but it, this was an ongoing thing that people in there, but most of the time they were doing dope, in, you know, whatever, praying or seancing or whatever the hell it is people do around a haunted site or investigating or whatever. Let me read you this article. It says, Mayor debunks myth. All right. Um, September 14, 2003. It says, Ghost stories about Michael Brown's grave. We're already going strong when Charlie Martin was elected mayor of Springfield in 1988, just five years after the 15-year-old Holden boy died in a car accident north of Hammond. All right, I'm interject. Charlie Martin was the mayor the whole time that I was there. Oh, also my mentor, Kearney Foster, that I talk about over the years, Chief Kearney Foster is just freaking freaking absolutely responsible for where I am today. He lived just on the other side of Springfield and he, he was really good friends with Charlie Martin. The, uh, and I'm sorry, y'all get to hear the dogs barking. Somebody must be here. The, uh, the only dealings I had, Ooh, I've, well, you just have to put over it. I apologize that how unprofessional, but that's upstairs and I'm in the basement. So Charlie Martin was the lifelong resident of Springfield and um, uh, 
sorry, y'all. And um, I did arrest somebody. I got, in a, I got in a fist fight in a firework parking lot in Springfield sometime around the 4th of July. And I ended up arresting the guy. Uh, he was, like, parked in a handicapped parking spot or something, and somebody complained about it. And that was one of my pet peeves. If you parked in a handicapped parking spot, I was going to fuck with you. But so I ended up, the guy resisted, and I, I ended up taking him to jail with, and charged him some good stuff. And they dropped it down to the mayor's court, um, which if you get arrested, like the, all the tickets they wrote, you go to mayor's court, and that's how Springfield PD made their money. And Charlie Martin, you know, whatever, he, he was a good dude, and he was an older guy like I am now. Uh, but he'd been there forever. So let's go back to it. So the article um, says, it says variations and embellishments attached to the story over the years. But the gist of it was always this. Michael Brown was walking home along a back road after a day of hunting when he was killed by a hit and run driver. When his body was discovered, there were no clues and his death would have remained unsolved if Michael's spirit hadn't intervened. Shortly after his headstone was erected, some stories say that it was later the same day. Michael's mother returned to his grave in Springfield Cemetery and found a drawing had been carved on the back of the headstone. It depicted the accident and even named the driver. Check that out. Wilkerson, now no relation to John T. Y'all, that my roadie, John T. Wilkerson, but it says Wilkerson and his passengers. Now, that's this is on the drawing. Uh, and it says, based on those clues, police confronted Wilkerson and he confessed. The tale had all the right elements for a good ghost story. And local teens and, and college students have been passing it along for years and challenging each other to spend time in the graveyard. The story spread widely and can be found on the internet at www.freakopedia.com as investigated and reported by Rex Z, who claims to be a new Springfield uh, resident of Springfield, and some say it was on Unsolved Mysteries at one point. And I interrupt again. I did hear that a lot of the years, like Unsolved Mysteries came out and did a whole TV special on how this drawing magically appeared and named the, uh, uh, it's a kid's drawing, and, and named the killer again and that the case was unsolved but that's bullshit i can tell you that right now because I, I i tried to look it up even back in the day one day around halloween when it was on my mind and i couldn't find anything on unsolved mysteries all right but back to it um so okay so some say it was on unsolved mysteries at one point but no one can name the date and the Producers for Unsolved Mysteries say it isn't so. But Mayor Martin laughed at the spooky going-ons, as did other adults with good sense, and he would have considered them harmless fun were not for the trash left behind by party thrill-seeking candle wax on the headstone, wrappers from snacks and fast foods, crushed beer cans, and dozens of cigarette butts in 
traces that became increasingly hard to ignore. Now, you know, fuck, if you're going to go to a cemetery, be fucking respectful, right? I mean, that's where people go to visit their loved ones. I don't go to cemeteries myself, and not even for my own family, but the, it just... This is something, not something I do. I believe you're gone, you're gone. But a lot, a lot of people get peace and solace from that, right? So basically, these people were going out there and, and, and throwing a party on this boy's grave. So back to it. Um, in 1997, about two years after his own son had died, uh, Martin and his wife were visiting his son's grave when they were approached by Mary Anthony, who's Michael Brown's sister. Vandals had knocked over her brother's headstone and she needed help lifting it back on the coping, copying or however you say it. The Martins asked her if there was any truth to the stories. That's Charlie, Mr. Charlie Martin and his wife. And she said they were completely false. And she'd been telling people that for years when she encountered uh, the Martins at Michael's grave. She said, but the people didn't seem to believe her. Mayor Martin added his voice to the denials then, but got no better results. The visitors kept coming, wearing a path through the grass of the cemetery and desecrating not only Michael's grave, but also others nearby. After police made a few drug busts there, and that would be yours truly, because I did several over the years, um, Alderman considered locking the gates but instead passed an ordinance against loitering in the cemetery between 8 p.m. and 6 a.m. Since then, they issued 15 to 20 citations a month, y'all. That's year-round. So this is after, you know, my time. Uh, I guess they just pretty much catch them, uh, what, one every two days, people in, in the cemetery? Um, anyway, so they issued 15 to 20 citations in months, Martin said, but the night visitors have kept coming and legal visitors during the daytime as well. I didn't think about that. Uh, reporters approached Martin several times over the years, but he had forgotten Anthony's name and never pursued it until he was contacted this year. And with a little research, he discovered that uh, Gertrude Wilkerson Michael Brown's mother had ordered his headstone from Louisiana Memorials. Hey, y'all. My wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause. Hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, Poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, 
No desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seen more health issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash RLRC and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C. He contacted her and suggested a meeting with local media to debunk the myth. She was reluctant at first, fearing that if you put a lot of light on something that's nonsense, it just gets worse. But she came and Mary Anthony came with her. I moved out to Los Angeles in 1987, Wilkerson said, and before I left, we found candles and candy and such, but I never realized it was such an issue. I remember thinking that Michael loved people and found good in everybody, so he was probably sitting up there having a ball. But then, uh, but when Wilkerson returned to Holden in 1996, she discovered that her daughters, Anthony, and Pamela, that's kind of a strange thing, group of girl, Anthony and Pamela Hoover had been shielding her from the worst of it. I went four or five times a year, and two out of the three times I would go, I would find people there, Anthony said, and I always found litter. I would put angels on the coping, and they would be broken. I had to buy about 80 pounds of pot and soil a year to fill it in. I guess y'all, that is because they trample the grave so much with evident contempt for the people who have been desecrating her son's grave works said, I'll probably never stoop so low as to let them bother me. I don't believe in ghosts or goblins or anything. This is just so far fetched because everything about his death was on TV. So there's no hidden secret. They can pull the accident report and meet and they meet. I don't know how this could start. There might be someone, God forbid, that the person I'm thinking of started this to get attention. But whoever did this, I forgive them. 
And the only truth to the story is that the headstone was originally put in place with the drawing on the back. But that only happened because of a mix-up. Louisiana Memorials apologized and picked it up and added the drawing as ordered. So evidently, y'all, they did set it up, and but with, without the drawing on the back, and then they fixed it. Um, Leslie Monvez, the business owner, remembers it well. When contacted about it at the main location of Walker, and y'all, that's a town in Livingston, also, Livingston Parish, he was glad to set the record straight. They gave me a drawing on a brown paper bag, he said. I traced onto the mask of the stone, cut it out, and blasted it just like I always do. When I heard the stories, I told people the truth, but I don't didn't know what else to do about it. One of my men even ran into a tour bus over there while he was setting up a monument. He told them the true story, but they didn't believe him. So I, evidently somebody was making some cheddar, y'all, off running tour buses. I, I ran into a tour bus there, too. Um, this article article continues. Article, I don't know what the fuck that was. Article continues. Despite persistent denials by everyone in a position to know the truth, the people keep coming, and Wilkinson has little hope that her statement to the media will change things. Mary Anthony took a lot of abuse from this, and it left her really scarred, Wilkins said. I'm doing this for some kind of closure on it. Whether this does it or not, it's the truth. And that's that's our closing. Let me see if I can find another one real quick. Pretty crazy, though. The, um, let's see what this one says. This one says, the haunted, dirty South is in Springfield. Springfield Cemetery. The Civil War Air, Air Graveyard is located inside the town of Springfield, Louisiana. And this was the first time that the haunted, dirty South has investigated this site. But I will tell you, in the middle of the day, it still freaked me out. The gym here is the grave of Michael Brown. The story goes that Michael was struck and killed by an unknown motorist when he was only 15. Here's the clincher. After he was buried in, I don't know what the hell this is. Oh, uh, his tombstone put in place. A childlike drawing of his death appeared etched in the stone on the back of the grave. And this is one of the creepiest sites we visited. My heart is still pounding. And that was from the haunted dirty South. Let's see if I can reach another one. I, I guess I could see where, you know, people want to believe in shit and and do whatever. The um, let's see if I have one more. That's the same one. Hold on. One more. One more. One more. Good old Halloween story, I guess. Fuck. I erased it. Hold on. This this one is y'all from the the Reveille, which is a, a newspaper, and it um, says get spooked. Checked out haunted tales surrounding Baton Rouge and uh, Springfield landmarks. It says mm, it talks about the old state capitol being haunted, the old state penitentiary, 
the Spanish moon, different uh, guarantee income life and broadcasting building, uh, all the supposed ghosts. All right, here it is. Springfield Cemetery. The legend of Michael Brown's tombstone in Springfield Cemetery has since been debunked, but it made for a great ghost story in its heyday. Located in Springfield, Louisiana, the tombstone of Michael Brown developed an etching seemingly overnight, depicting a detailed scene of a road with several cars and people. According to an article from Honet Places, many believe Brown had been killed in an unsolved hit and run, and this ghost had etched the scene of the crime into the tombstone, leading to the perpetrator's arrest. As noted in the Livingston Parish News article from 2003, I, yeah, shout out to them, y'all. That was the first article I read. The myth has since been disproven by Brown's family, who clarified that the etching was commissioned by the family to put on the, tomb, on the tombstone. Brown was an avid fox hunter. I uh, don't know how many fox foxes there are in in, in uh, Livingston Parish, the surrounding areas. I don't know. that They probably got that wrong. In the etching is a sketch Brown had drawn of a fox hunt that he had recently been on. Y'all could have been a rabbit hunter or something like that. Maybe maybe they had foxes back then. I don't know. Uh, so that's just another thing that's kind of freaky, the old school deal that I had forgotten about. But it's Halloween, and I'm up here in Wisconsin. Uh, again, hunting with the Lopa. I say kid. He's a young man that, that received the the kidney from this other family that's here and um, Halloween look up here in Wisconsin. These people be loving them some Halloween everywhere you drive. They got like grand displays of, of uh, like giant skeletons and, you know, just a lot of Halloween decorations. I, I don't recall. I mean, some people put out like pumpkins and shit and signs in the yard in Louisiana, but up here they got like really elaborate displays in Halloween is today day that you're getting this and uh, I don't know want to bring you something different in the appreciate y'all for listening and I'm sitting in the basement and freeze my ass off uh, and about to go take a shower and go watch some football but I'll be headed back to the great state of Louisiana tonight after I t oh, no, I'm not watching football I'm recording this on Sunday, y'all. The but I'll be headed back um, Tuesday night, or the, by the time you hear this recording, I'll probably be on my way back, sixteen hour drive. But happy Halloween! Keep your kids safe. Check your candy and shit. And then back in my day, the the urban legend was that you know some kid started eating this candy and it had a razor blade in it and it cut his mouth or whatever. I don't. I don't believe that's ever true. Maybe somebody got poison. I don't know. Keep your kids safe. Check the candy. Kiddos out there, you listening? My favorite. I loved Halloween. That my favorite part was coming home from trick or treating with my brothers and sisters, and dumping all your candy on the floor and trading out the shit that you didn't like, you know, and, and that they liked, and you got the shit that you liked, and the uh, so trick or treat and love each and every one of y'all. Thank you for tuning in and listening and liking and sharing. And yeah, yeah, we got a lot of, a lot of big shit coming. Uh, a lot of big things coming and just stay tuned. And I appreciate and love each and every one of you. Patreon members, convicts, Apple subscribers has got, I got something special coming for you. Um, if you 
want to be a, a subscriber to Real Life Real Crime and get the bonus episodes and commercial-free episodes and early releases and all that stuff, you can go to patreon.com, type in Real Life Real Crime, or uh, in the Real Life Real Crime community app, it, it, it's, it, our subscribers, are, I call them convicts, I affectionately call them convicts, you can do it there. Or if you are an Apple subscriber, and it, that's the new thing that we have, that it, you go to listen to Real Life Real Crime through Apple, uh, and you want the bonus stuff and don't want to listen to commercials. And we give some, some cool stuff like um, Cindy sends out like stickers and different things. So different, just go on there and read a, a, about the different tier, tier levels if you want to subscribe. And, you know, we appreciate each and every one of y'all. Hey, you can't be a patron or convict or Apple subscriber. I get it. I love each and every one of you just as much, right? And I wouldn't be doing this if if I didn't have lifers. We wouldn't have won all the awards and wouldn't have my own TV show coming and all these different things if you people hadn't supported me these past six years. So I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. Have a happy Halloween. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever especially on Halloween. Don't let me catch you down murder by you. Peace. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will point one for you. You understand your rights. When the wolf is at your door, you're running so that's for sure. You already know all about you. Cut you down. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.